Welcome to the Street Sessions, the business podcast brought to you by Street's Chartered Accountants. I'm James Pinchbeck, the firm's marketing partner, and I'll be hosting this session in which I'm joined by Robert Batson, one of the organisers of the Brighton Fringe, the largest open access art festival in England and also deemed to be the warm-up for the Edinburgh Fringe. I'm also joined by Mark Carr, a partner with Brighton and London-based Mark Carr & Co., which is part of Streets Chartered Accountants Media Group, which looks after clients within the media and entertainment industry. In this session, I'll be talking to Robert and Mark about this year's Fringe and its importance to performers and audience alike. I'll also be exploring why Mark Carr and Co are supporting it and learning more of the work Mark and his team have been and continue to do to support clients in the entertainment industry. Welcome to you both. Perhaps, Robert, I could start by asking, what is the Brighton Fringe? How did it come about and, and why was it established? Um, uh, the history is uh, kind of weaves in and out, um, kind of almost parallel to how the Edinburgh Fringe started. So there is, of course, the Brighton Festival in Dome. And Brighton Fringe uh, was a part of that for up until, I think, about 2006, um, before it split off as an independent company. So as long as there had been a Brighton Festival uh, with its curated programming, there have been a fringe element, which is the performers who uh, usually are uncurated, seek out their own venues, and uh, take advantage of just kind of the admin backbone that's attached to the festival. So it became an independent organization around 2005, 2006. Uh, then we became a chair. I think we achieved our charitable status in 2011. Um, and since then, we've just kind of been kicking off and the, we've seen like a lot of really, really good growth up to 2019, 2020. And in terms of what we do, we're kind of the central authority for any events that are going on as part of the festival. You know, it's like, what is a fringe? It's kind of a question that keeps everyone up at night and like the Adelaide fringe, the Perth fringe, the Edinburgh fringe. Um, and like what our role is, it's mostly ensuring that all of our stakeholders groups, the performers, the audiences, the venues, are all taken care of and supportive and communicating and also making sure we're kind of liaising with local authorities and just overseeing that everything is running smoothly and safely and people are having a good time. Looking to this year's Fringe, which starts at the end of May, I imagine perhaps the format has had to change in light of the pandemic, you know, with COVID security and lockdown restrictions. How then will the Fringe this year be different? We have 80 liters of hand sanitizer sitting in a pallet in my office. That's probably the most noticeable change I've seen. Um, it's, yeah, I mean, the, the pandemic has, and Mark will know this as well, has, has hit arts and leisure and um, hospitality and the entertainment industry especially hard. Um, but what's amazing is because we're an industry that attracts so many creative people, we've been really good at responding to most of it. Um, and, trying to see how much of our ground can we cover and how many jobs can we save and how many people can continue their work. In terms of like what's actually like on the ground on the festival is going to be different. Uh, well, we're gonna, it'll be, it'll look a little bit like last summer um, when we had a bit of a dip in the number of new cases. You'll see socially distanced seating, mass indoor venues. Um, you'll see kind of group ticketing. So buying it, uh, tickets to make sure you're part of the same household sanitizer stations and we're trying to see how much testing we can integrate into the actual event itself so making sure people are safe and you know going to an event doesn't provide like doesn't promote a massive health risk you can go to an event safely and feel comfortable and just enjoy the shows 
I suppose the uh, the pandemic, given a lot of the performers and artists may have not been working for a period of time, do you think there'll be a change to some of the the, the, the performances that people do, the creativity or the delivery that, that, that as a consequence of, you know, a combination of, of restricted working, but also changes in working and perhaps a time to reflect on the creativity? Yeah, absolutely. Performance has been really fantastic about adjusting the work and adapting the work or generating new work because, you know, it wasn't just the pandemic that happened. We had a long summer of protests um, against racial injustice and I've seen a lot of new work developed in response to that and a lot of arts institutions trying to step up their game, including Brighton Fringe, to like hold themselves accountable and hold each other accountable. And the entire creative landscape of the UK is just responded to that in all sorts of ways. I'm seeing shows that are now being developed for a stage that have been adapted for radio so they can reach a broader audience and not lose any tour dates. I'm seeing shows that are specifically playing into a lot of the idea of like, oh, you're looking at an audience that's entirely masked. Well, how can I play with that? What kind of toolkit can I use for that? It's restrictive in some ways, but not necessarily the kind of restrictions that inhibit creativity. They might actually promote it and you might actually get to see some work that is totally unique to this year and this year alone and could never be repeated just because of the moment that we're in. No, I, I tend to agree. I mean, it would be, you know, there's the material that's come out which will reflect the, 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 the experience and the challenges we faced over the last 12 to 18 months. But looking at that, in terms of, I'd imagine this, this year's Fringes is, is more important than ever to performers and audiences and, and venues alike. Uh, you know, to, it, it, people are, are really excited about it and looking forward to it. Yeah, we um, we did a we did an audience survey just to see like what kind of stages would people be comfortable back to coming and see a show, you know, just as like viability, like is like if we bring back a festival, will they come? And we were just floored by the amount of people who were so like gasping for live performance specifically and new work and actually seeing grassroots artists, you know, a lot of established um, arts bodies were able to bring their work online or digitally in some way. Um, like I'm a big fan of the National Theater's like that version of Netflix where they just stream plays. But um, a lot of what was lost was like the grassroots venues and artists in the community who don't have access to those resources until a festival comes along or uh, really do kind of need a marketing push or just need a venue, but it's flat out need a venue. I suppose having as a consequence of the, the situation got some unusual or new or different performances or acts this year specifically. Yeah, there's uh, one show I'm really excited for called Ram of God and they were set to perform with us for the Fringe in 2020. Obviously, it got postponed, and it, was a, it began as a live comedy show, live kind of theatrical comedy absurdist show. Um, they then adapted it digitally, and then they took it to uh, all the other fringes worldwide as a digital work. And it's coming to Brighton Fringe, both the live and digital version. And I like I keep referencing that because I think it's so cool that they're able to take what they know the core of the show was and say, we can make this work online for people who are at home, and also we can make it, uh, we can bring the live performance back and see how it's changed it also has a, like, a lot of time for that show to develop uh so i i will go on and on about that because i think that was the coolest thing like the perfect example of how artists have responded to the pandemic that's a great illustration i mean obviously putting on the fringe takes a lot of work and, and requires you know people financial resources organization around it what support does the fringe receive or has the fringe received we've been like you know the community has stepped up people have been able to donate in kind donations of space or planning it, it's strange because what happened was when the pandemic struck the arts industry first and everyone's 
seasons queried, everyone shuttered their venues, everyone had, uh, was put on furlough. In order for a lot of the community arts to survive, we really did have to close ranks and share resources what we could. So that was the kind of support that we were able to see where we would go to our venues partners and suppliers and be like, okay, we can make this year work if we like are flexible on a lot of things or if we understand that we need to change our standards, understand that we need to just adjust to what's going on. Um, and that's that's probably been like the best form of support of seeing. And then, yeah, audiences are coming out and their tickets are being sold. People are eager for a fringe to happen. And then artists as well, like we, we were kind of afraid, like, oh, will people be, feel safe bringing back shows? Are they going to be okay with it? Is it worth it to them? Because it's it is considerable financial risk to mount a show. And artists have come back and are well supported and really want to see this festival do well and really want to make sure their work gets to the right audience. Thank you. And, and, and how important is it for businesses like Mark Carr and Co to support the Fringe? Especially like now knowing that we that everyone has to rely on local businesses and a lot of, you know, not looking towards national brands and not looking towards uh, larger companies for support. Like the local companies really have made a difference this year, everyone. I, and for the future, I think this is going to, I can't imagine that we're going to be like pounding on the door of Heineken to sponsor Brighton Fringe anytime soon. We're, we like, we found the relationships so much like healthier and more communicative and understanding just by you know going to the people who are just around the corner or around the block or who work with us when we were a very 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 tiny festival and so it's been really wonderful especially for me because i'm still kind of new to this you know i came on to brighton fringe in january 2020 like a horseman of the apocalypse um so getting to see the like history brighton fringe has with the community and getting to like utilize that going forward has been really fantastic as you know, we pledged our support last year. Unfortunately, you know, for the we, the fringe didn't take place, but or, or as it was planned. So perhaps now, thank you, Robert, for that. Can I move to Mark? And Mark, you know, equally, can I ask why why have Mark Carr and Co, as a firm of accountants and tax advisors, chosen to support the fringe in Brighton? Well, firstly, on a personal level, I'm a Brighton boy, so you know, it's fantastic to kind of be involved. So kind of grown up. Uh, in this town and seeing all sorts through the years, kind of going way back uh, to the, the 70s, the kind of punk boom, the comedy clubs, uh, various avant-garde venues. And the Fringe kind of shows elements of, of all of that. It's got great uh, support of the arts and diversity, which, you know, as a Brighton boy, really, really proud of. Uh, but on a, from a business point of view, the Fringe brings in lots and lots of other people from around about uh, into the town, which obviously really boosts the economy. So it's, it's, it's kind of fantastic because there's so much going on along with the main festival as well. And, and I suppose as, you know, a firm of accountants specialising in, in the sector, it, it is, many of your clients probably are local uh, or, or coming from further afield. And, and it's quite nice to be able to, you know, support them, particularly probably in this challenging time. Yeah, and I think I'll probably tell you more about it, but uh, this, they've got various workshops that go on that support artists as well. So it's not... It's not all about uh, particularly shows, there's support for uh, performers as well. And I think that's important both for those people looking to develop their career, but also develop their, their, their performance and their acts as well, isn't it? It's not just about, you know, so it gives you, a, it, and I think that's the point of a lot of you know, the fringe concept. It allows you to try something out, you know, uh, without the cost or the, the, the structure, but it gives you an audience. So I think that's a, it's a great part of the, the concept of a fringe. How important do you feel that the likes of the fringe will be to for your clients, Mark, looking back to get back to work? And I would imagine the enjoyment of performing to live audiences. Well, 
that, that those performers we have that perform live are just absolutely champing at the bit. You can imagine to get back. We've had, I think, numerous kind of script writers who I've, I've spoken to who have been very much kind of, in a way, enjoying the time to be able to kind of uh, focus on putting something together. But actual performers themselves, I think it's just been very, very hard. And uh, opportunities like The Fringe uh, give them a chance to kind of show off new work. And, and I'd imagine over the, the, the period of the pandemic, you've been giving much support to your clients. Uh, what, what sort of support have you been giving and, and, and how have your clients adapted to the pandemic? Well, we've been fielding all sorts of calls on the self-employment support, dealing with job retention scheme uh, for, for those who are employed to make sure that they're kind of uh, employers are, are generating the 80% support there for uh, furloughed workers. Uh, if they're not able to get that, it's been, we've been advising them to go for universal credit. And then for the kind of the, the businesses, there's, there's obviously the bounce back loans, advice on that, uh, grants from people like the Arts Council. We've had, a, especially in January, we had uh, a lot of work that we were doing whilst doing self-assessment, um, dealing with people going for Arts Council grants. And that was a really short time frame in which to deal with that. So um, it was all kind of hands to the pump to uh, give them support for that. And, and as we talked to Robert about, you know, the changes in perhaps the delivery of some performances, the responding to the, you know, the COVID security, but also the creativity that digital technology perhaps has brought to, to the, the sector. Do you see any lasting impact uh, of the pandemic on, on your clients and the sector as a whole? It's difficult, difficult to tell at the moment. I mean, hopefully there won't be uh, a large fallout from it. I mean, uh, opportunities like the Fringe enable people to kind of uh, get back quickly. It's great that it, it's actually going on, but I think uh, I'm going to tell really. Moving back to Robert, uh, you know, we've talked a lot about the Fringe. Uh, I know it's got an extensive programme of activity, of a mix of you know, uh, a digital broadcast, but also in, in real, you know, in-person events. When does the Fringe actually run from and to... Uh, and, and what type and number of events might, might you know, in a, a virtual events as well of taking place? Can you just give us a bit more insight into that, Robert? Yes. Uh, the Brighton Fringe is officially running from the 28th of May to the 27th of June. At the latest count that I checked this morning, we have 211 digital events you can access at our website, Brighton Fringe. And we have da, 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 254 live events. Wow. Um, and that's not just performances, that is like registered events. So there'll be several repeats of those. So this is almost comparable to uh, the program we had back in 2012 in terms of size. That's great um, news. Not bad, uh, yeah. That's <laughs> great news. And, and, and how can listeners to this podcast find out more about you know, both supporting the Fringe, because I think that's quite key, but also what's on and how to book tickets? Yes, uh, brightonfringe.org. Uh, we are all digital. We also have an app as well, which uh, we've just put um, some investment in and has been revamped and has a bunch of great new features for show programming and finding a show near you. You can just, if it, it'll check the time on your phone and it'll be great. These five performances are happening right now. Go, go, go. For supporting the Fringe, uh, the easiest way is um, we have a membership scheme called uh, Friends of Brighton Fringe. I'll try not to send a corporate out, but the main appeal is uh, one, it it covers pretty, it's 25 pounds, pretty much a donation, but also gets you several two for one passes and vouchers to a bunch of shows nearly, um, I think like 60, 70% of our program. 
Um, so if you're going to the Brighton Fringe and you know you're going to see more than three shows, it like already covers itself. And it's also just a great way to keep in touch because you actually do talk to people who work at the festival. You hear from me a lot. You'll hear from our marketing a lot, and like uh, be invited to a lot of exclusive events and meet artists and maybe launch events. It's it's just great. Um, so yeah, brightonfringe.org and also our app. And also we'll like we have a box office somewhere in the old chain. Uh, maybe we'll put a big asterisk next to that. <laughs> <laughs> One thing that's coming back for in-person is Fringe City, which is the central festival space uh, where we have live performances um, throughout the day, several street vendors, a few bars, um, and that's going to take place in Jubilee Square the very first weekend of Brighton Fringe. So that's the uh, 28th of May, 29th, and 30th. Um, and we'll probably be having a, some kind of celebration to kick off the you know return of live performance. One of the services Brighton Fringe does try to do, because we, we are aware of like the the amount of risk people are taking this year and every year when you mount your own show and you don't have an institution behind you or you don't have an arts council grant behind you it's it's terrifying it's scary especially if it's your first work if you're a new entrant um and one of the services we really do try to pride ourselves on is getting people prepared and offering them workshops and training and guiding them through how do you make a budget how do you plan your marketing how do you apply for a grant um, so that's part of our series of Fringe Academy. Um, and, you know, if you had to get down to one of the core services of Brighton Fringe, it's trying to educate and prepare people to enter an industry that can be kind of ruthless and can sometimes be like antithetical to creative practice. No, thank you. And I think, you know, I, I think that's the whole enrichment of, of the Fringe and uh, certainly you know, May the 28th to the end of June sounds that Brighton sounds the place to be if you're into both performance artist or or actually looking for some live entertainment and, and, and creativity. So I, I wish you all the best with the festival um, and at the Fringe Festival and, and hope the, the weather's good as, as well. So if I may, uh, th thank you for joining me, uh, Robert and Mark. If you have any specific questions or, or concerns, having listened to this podcast, you can contact Mark Carr on email info at markcarr uk or visiting our website markcar.co.uk thank you also to you for listening we look forward to catching up with you again in future sessions 